From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. I'm very excited today, and especially in light of the fact that this is our 100th podcast, to be hosting John Weinbach. He's an American film and television writer and producer, and he currently works as the executive producer and executive vice president for Mandalay Sports Media, a media and production company that focuses on sports entertainment programming. John has produced and directed documentaries across the whole board of sports, baseball, football, basketball, and even boxing and hockey. And today we are very excited to have John because he's also producer of The Last Dance, uh, which I think most of the world knows about and, and perhaps has watched. So welcome, John. Thank you for having me. That was that was quite an intro. I also <laughs> done soccer. <laughs> okay, soccer. But, uh, thank you for that. It's pretty exciting. So let me get right to it, John. As a producer of The Last Dance, can, can you tell our listeners about yourself and, and how you came to such an iconic project? Yeah, well, it's a long story, um, but uh, I'll, I'll try to make it a cut to the chase. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the producers. We had we had a, a great team, but I w- work with and partners with a guy named Mike Tolan, um, who's our I think his title's ex- chairman, co-chairman of Mandalay Sports Media. But he's very experienced, uh, great track record, director and producer of film and television. And I got to know him originally through the ESPN 30 for 30 series. He was an executive producer for the whole series. You know, when ESPN launched this uh, documentary series about 10 years ago. And we had kept in touch over the years uh, when he was, we had, uh, you know, had a number of meetings. And then right before uh, in 2012, we said, you know, I think I'm thinking about launching this entity, Mandalay Sports Media with Peter Guber, who, you know, is royalty for in entertainment and sports, uh, had been the chairman of Sony. So I sort of raised my hand and, and then in a couple of months, we, we started the company. But the, the project in terms of The Last Dance um, I had actually heard about this mythical footage, you know, 20 years ago. A lot of people in in our business had because, you know, it was you know the first time that Jordan had you know given access, and you know people in the business knew about it, but you know sort of it, you never heard what was going to happen to it. And then we got sort of reintroduced to it with a guy we used to work with named Ron Yassin, who ended up going on a trip. Uh, with Esty Portnoy, who is Michael's longtime business partner, advisor, gatekeeper. She had mentioned, you know, this this trove of footage from the last season in Chicago. And that sort of sparked a conversation. And then, you know, Mike and I went to Toronto for the 2016 All-Star Weekend. It was the coldest I've ever been as a human. <laughs> and we met, that was the first time that we'd met with Esty and Curtis. Mike went with them. Meeting went well. And then about five months later, well, in the intervening, you know, three or four months, there were some conversations. We, pr- we created a, you know, big presentation book uh, outlining sort of, you know, broadly the creative vision for the series, which was, you know, we went six episodes, 10 episodes, eight episodes, ended up at 10, using this footage from 97, 98 as a, you know, story device to tell the story of the Bulls dynasty, Michael's time in Chicago. And so basically we got... A call, Mike got a call in June of 2016, very last minute, because I remember it was not sort of, we, we had to print, we had to reprint the book, wow. like basically a lookbook. Um, and it was, I remember it was a little bit nerve wracking because we had to get it to him before the, the plane. 
He went to Charlotte. The meeting went very well. And that, and in the room, Michael said, let's do it. Wow. Which is a pretty, you know, un- very unusual thing. And, um, you know, as to the why, that's a question that a lot of people have. Like, why now? You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not uh, inside Michael Jordan's head. I think, you know, luck, timing, opportunity, a little bit of beshertness. Mm, okay. <laughs> you know, we know what that and, is, right? <laughs> you know what that is. Um, I think Mike has a great track record. We have a great track record. We've done a lot of stuff in the NBA. The original vision of it was to, you know, have this be on the air in 2018. Mm, um, wow. Uh, the 20th anniversary. I think that has something to do. It's a nice round number. I think Michael's probably in a different space. He's got a new family. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, two young young kids. I, did, I don't think it, it hurt that, you know, LeBron James won a championship that year. I don't think that's why he did it at all. Gotcha. But I do think it was probably more influential that the Warriors had broken the Bulls record that year mm. for the best record ever. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, that, that could play a part. And so all of those things kind of coalesced. And then we ended up starting production in – uh, a year and a half later, in like early 2018, mid-2018. Wow, great insight to that. So so you're speaking to someone who, who watched the very first Bulls game on TV in black and white. <laughs> uh, people sometimes forget there was a Chicago Bulls team before the Michael Jordan era. Uh-huh. What, what most impressed you about one man, Michael Jordan's impact on a franchise? Well, to your point, you know, one of the great, when you do a project like this, any documentary project is the, the hunt for archival footage. And so I'm a massive basketball fan. I'm a massive, you know, baseball fan, but I'm a, also a huge soccer fan. And I grew up watching indoor soccer in the United States. And one of the best uh, interview bites of the thing is at the time, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls says it at the time when Jordan came, the Chicago sting indoor soccer team in a league that no longer exists, wow. right. Was outdrawing the Bulls. I mean that they were really, you know, a bottom third of the league team. I mean, look, man, great players, Jerry Sloan, Norm Van Leer, Bob Love, but they were, you know, nothing special at all. And within Chicago, I can, I mean, I grew up in the eighties, you know, in the nineties, but you know, as before Jordan, I think when people thought of Chicago sports, they think of the bears and the Cubs right. and even maybe the Blackhawks. They had some good teams in the seventies with as the players you mentioned, including Chet Walker, uh, but they could never get past the LA team. They could never get past the Lakers, yeah. the Jerry West, Gail Goodrich, uh, Kareem. Yeah. They just couldn't get by them. So I mean, on franchise value alone, it's ridiculous. You know, I have some very good friends from Chicago and I think, you know, with the guys who are my age, I'm, I'll be 44. The guys who I know from Chicago, like their dad, for that, for, for their dads, you know, the Bulls, Michael, it was complete transformation because they really remember when they were mediocre. Right, correct. And so I, I had an appreciation for that just because I knew a guy in college who was a big Chicago sports fan, huge Cubs fan. And like, you know, he, he always talked about how, how, like for him, like he just grew up with Jordan being great, but for his dad, it was just, a total he didn't even know how to relate to it <laughs> the, the bulls yes. were so thoroughly mediocre yes, for yes, so long yes yes so yeah, i mean and, and that that became you know the way the world got to know my uh, chicago was through the bulls mm-hmm. and through michael jordan i mean i think that's a pretty you know telling sign if you're associated with a city as great as i mean magic you could say is associated with la or hollywood but you know, the Bulls are associated, or uh, Chicago became, you know, true. 
You probably right. stop. You thought that you should. That, that is good. true. You're abs- and deep dish pizza. Yeah. But, uh, that, that, that's for a different uh, interview. H- how did you come up with the concept, or did you, of the moving back and forth on the Bulls timeline? Uh, so, did that did that get positive feedback in general? Well, I think. I mean, I'm biased. I, I love all the episodes, <laughs> um, but I think the strong, my favorite parts of the series are those step backs are the, the movement mm-hmm. and the time shifts. Look, broadly speaking, I was saying earlier, that was a vision we had creatively for the show was to use the, the footage as a through line and to jump off from that 97-98 season to you know, make an ep- a pod about Steve, uh, Dennis Rodman or Tony Kukoc or Phil Jackson or Steve Kerr. But Jason Hare is the director and you know the edit team and the producers, they did just an unbelievable job of mapping out this story, which really kind of takes place along three storyline there's the 97 98 season there's the story of michael right right and all his his career and then there's this kind of third arc of all the all the supporting characters and all the the secondary storyline and and they're not even secondary they become primary and so that is sounds cool on paper you know when you can do it it's a tough trick to do um you know in a film and in a documentary using archival footage and interviews and i thought you know, they did it masterfully. So that, that was, I'd say, that was the sort of the vision, but Jason really nailed it with the storyboarding and the team providing archival footage and edit and everything like that. So um, I would say that, you know, that's how it came to be. Now, I'm a big fan of the 3030 uh, series, and sometimes there's one part, two part, maybe I've even seen a three part 3030, but you did this in 10 parts. Was, was that difficult to come up or was it necessary in your opinion well i mean the reality is it's never been done before. right 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 <laughs> in terms of in sports for sports documentaries i mean i think the whole shift in the way people consume non-fiction content has made that possible but even so there aren't many teams there aren't many humans who are worth 10 episodes so <laughs> true um and so i mean how many episodes of the Civil War or whatever, you know, but, right. but there was a lot of story here. And I think the success ESPN had with the OJ series, which you know, obviously won an Academy Award and right. it was a huge, you know, you know, pop the zeitgeist of, of the culture that said, okay, our audience will consume this, especially if it's about a, a massive icon, you know, on the scale of Michael Jordan. So, yeah, you were absolutely right. I think people could have, I know people were sad when it ended, you know, they, they wanted more. Yeah. Now I know you're from LA and I know the first championship, which I remember well against the, the Lakers. Were you a Bulls fan perhaps after that first championship during the Jordan years? Did your opinion of the team change? After you produced the series? Oh, after I produced the series, yes. Okay. Oh no, I was not a I was <laughs> okay. not a Bulls fan. Okay. I mean, I'm okay. a Laker, hardcore Laker fanatic. I mean, I went to Game Four of the '91 Championship Final wow. against the Bulls. Wow. And look, I think the Bulls would have won that 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 series, but as I recall, the Lakers, I think either Byron Scott or James Worthy or both of them were not healthy. And I always correct. Yeah, yes, yes. I recall <clears throat> James Worthy sitting in his suit in the game. You know, the cha- the final game. The final. I, I think. I think also Magic was hurt. They were. Yeah, they weren't in good shape. They weren't in good shape, and like, That's yeah, true. Tony Smith and like a rookie Eldon Campbell playing against the Bulls. But I mean, I think the Bulls would have won that series. But um, no, I mean, I never hated the Bulls like I did the Pistons or the Celtics. Um, that, and I always had, I always felt that I had that in common with Bulls fans. Like we both hated the Pistons. Yes, that's <laughs> true. So, um, 
till this day, till this day. <laughs> till this day, of course, of course. The I had a huge appreciation for Jordan. I loved his dunking and all that. I didn't wear Air Jordans. Like Nikes never fit me, <laughs> so uh-huh, I just uh-huh. like they were they were super expensive. And but but I never like I. And then as I got older, especially the second three three peat, because you gain an even more appreciation for the greatness. And, and how they could finish teams off. And they were, especially in the second three-peat, they were like one of the few teams that were actually worth watching in the NBA. There was a lot of ugly basketball at that time. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls shared the ball and they, everything. And so, um, and I didn't like the Utah Jazz, so it was easy for me to root okay. <laughs> for the Bulls. <laughs> okay, it's um, good. good to yeah, hear. I always, I'll tell you, I always love, it's funny, I used to have this argument with my friends from New York, who, like the New York fans, the Knicks fans, like hate Pippen. I always loved Pippen. I loved his game. And um, he was a great defensive player, a team player. I, I loved his game. Um, but the, with the appreciation I have for after having done the project is just really unique set of individuals with incredibly interesting personalities and backstories. And, like, you know, the significance of Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman, these are really interesting people. And so, and not to say nothing of Jordan and Pippen. Right, right. So I think th- that was uh, that was very cool. All right. So I'm assuming that this was the, is going to be the most watched sports documentary in history. Um, how much of the ratings do you think attri- you attribute to the fact that they were, you were in the midst of the COVID nineteen pandemic? I would say fifty percent. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, I don't think. You know, we've had this conversation a lot. Obviously, the reception has been overwhelming and, and in a way surreal um, just because, you know, you do every project, you work really hard. You hope it, it, you know, has a good reception. But most are ignored or many are ignored or unfairly criticized. Some are even unfairly praised. They're not as good. This one was never going to be ignored because it was Michael Jordan. But I, I think it's being justifiably praised. And and the thing that no one could have expected to this degree was the the way it just went like wildfire all over the world. Right. And yeah, so absolutely. that that and, and and the thing is is normally you might have the attention of your domestic audience, but we had the world. Yes, the you did. Time. You and did. So, and, and certainly Israel was also glued to it. I can tell you from a personal experience, everyone was talking about it here. So you you had a, a huge success. I, I know you're a crazy LA fan and and all the teams. Um, was the part about Kobe was that was that something you just was an afterthought to bring in because he was obviously not part of that era? No. Well, yeah. Well, I think that was one of the unbelievable finds of the archival footage, and it's this huge testament to uh, a guy named Andy Thompson, who you know Clay Thompson from the Warriors. It's his uncle. Ah. Okay. Uh, the brother. I, I mean, I know I know Andy Thompson more as the brother of Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson, who's a Laker broadcaster, is one of my favorite Lakers ever. And his brother is a guy named Andy Thompson, who was, you know, one of the top producers at NBA Entertainment. And it was his idea to follow the Bulls that season. And he got the approval from Adam Silver, who at the time was the you know, president of NBA Entertainment, obviously now is the commissioner. They made this deal with Michael and the Bulls. Mm-hmm. That, that's sort of the genesis of the footage. But one of the great finds in that was this scene at the 98 All-Star Game, which is Kobe's second year in the NBA, his first All-Star Game. And the Eastern Conference All-Stars are sort of you know, talking, you know what about Kobe right. or the game. So that was a natural way we could get Kobe wow. into the story. Yeah. And, and that gotcha. is a great moment. One of my favorite moments in the series. 
And, you know, at the time, obviously, it was just sort of casual Michael walking past Kobe. But obviously, the historical significance is almost like a passing of the torch at the All-Star Game at Madison Square Garden. Pretty cool. No question. Yeah, it was very cool. All right, and we're just wrapping up. Just if you can share with my listeners, you, are you working on some future projects and uh, give us any teasers that, that we could be looking forward to? Um, well, yeah, no, we, we've got a series coming out on Showtime. On, it's a five-part series on the history of the comedy store, sort of the iconic comedy club in L.A. where you know so many big stars got their, started their career, David Letterman, Jay Leno, Robin Williams. Um, that's coming out at some point later in this year. And I'm directing an upcoming film um, on the Redeem team, the 2008 USA basketball team that had Kobe and LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. And Carmelo Anthony. They had lost in 2004 at the Athens Olympics and they had lost the world championships. And this was, you know, they got Coach K. And that was the sort of the launching point of the, the new era of basketball dominance for, for Team USA. Um, and you know, got a bunch of stuff, uh, percolating. <laughs> all right. That's good. I'm sure, I'm sure this is all going to generate a lot of interest in your company and, and projects. So my final question, I, I have to ask you, did you meet Michael in person? I did not, which was, which okay. was, you know, what can, that's, <laughs> you know, the, the shame of the pandemic is like, you know, we didn't have like a screening together where everybody was together uh, you know, from the, from, uh-huh. from the project. But, um, you know, obviously the audience was pretty incredible. No, I mean, uh, I, you know, I went to a, a handful of interviews. The most significant and meaningful was Steve Kerr, which was just such an incredible interview. Very, and, very emotional. Very emotional. Yeah. My wife was very, uh, became a big fan. She didn't even know who Steve Kerr was. Well, so then... you'll appreciate this. That morning, the interview, the day we interviewed him was the morning of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. Wow the tree of life. And so when we talk, we, uh, I had breakfast with Steve and, and Mike Tolan in New York that morning and we talked about it and it was a really uh, heavy day. I had known, I had, you know, knew very well his story. Um, and, you know, I, I'm raising my hand now. If he ever runs for office, I want to make the film about him. <laughs> um, you know, I knew his father and all that. And yeah, his father's a fascinating guy. Had lived in Egypt, had lived in, you know, obviously was at American University. His, and on his mother's side, Steve Kerr's mother's side, they were Christian missionaries in Lebanon in like the early 20th century. So this is a guy truly like learned about history and particularly about the Middle East. And um, just a really interesting guy. And the interview was fantastic. But um yeah, that was. I did not get to. It's a long way of saying I didn't get to. I didn't get to meet Michael. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> we we in my in, on behalf of my listeners and a lot of other people, we we really thank you for putting this together. And and as a Chicago Bulls fan for life, it was uh, just a great experience. I enjoyed every minute, and uh, I wish you very well in your future projects. And and thanks for taking the time and and being on my hundredth podcast. I appreciate it. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say something. Uh, also, what the uh, another basketball project um, that I'm very proud of is called On the Map. It's a story of the 77 Maccabi Tel Aviv team. Ah, wow. um, directed by a great Israeli director named Danny Mankin. Um, and your listeners should definitely see it. If they're basketball fans okay. and they're in Israel, they'll love the film. On the Map. <laughs> All right. I'm giving a plug yeah. for that. All right. Thank you, John. And, and appreciate uh, it. Be well. Bye-bye. Take okay. care. 
I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein & Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 